0: Welcome to Life-Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sakari. Good morning.
1: My name is Frank Sicari, and this is Life-Altering Events. We're going to start this show with a very shameless self-promotion. I've written now my seventh book, and it's just entered the publishing process. The book is called "The Secret to Walking on Water is to Know Where the Rocks Are," and this is a guide for every entrepreneur or anyone who leads an organization. Now, over the past thirty years, I've discovered that success doesn't come from working harder or working smarter. It's not what you know that will determine success or failure. It's also about what you don't know. What you know is not nearly as important as who you know. Too many organizations sink because they don't know where the rocks are. This guide will help prepare you for what you don't know and need to know. Well, that's enough of the shameless self-promotion. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are going to talk about facing our fears Now, fear is a very powerful emotion. It motivates some people to take action, and other people, it just paralyzes them with fear. The three most powerful statements I've ever read about fear, the first one was from Joseph Campbell, and he said, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasures you seek. Don Miguel Ruiz, in his book, The Four Agreements, wrote, death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is, is taking the risk to be alive and express what we really are. And the third one is from Les Brown. Too many of us are not living our dreams because we're living our fears. So ladies and gentlemen, where does your fear come from? Is it from a past trauma, be it physical, mental, or emotional? Is it because you tried and failed at a task or a job or maybe a marriage? Is it an irrational fear or phobia that you just can't get past? Whatever it is, until you face this fear, it will continue to suck the life and the joy out of you. Now, my guest today is Belinda Farrell, who's experienced debilitating physical, mental, and emotional fear. But rather than giving up, she picked up the pieces and discovered that fear is not an invincible opponent. And she's showing others how to become alive with a capital A. Let me tell you something about Belinda. this is this is a truly remarkable woman. She shares her personal woes so that others can find strength in their own journey. She lights the path of hope, brightens the realm of despair, and embraces the art of survival. You gotta love that, ladies and gentlemen. She's had many, many roles in her life. She's a Cal Berkeley graduate, she's a mother, she played Snow White at Disneyland, she was a stunt car driver, an actor, writer, hot coal walker, Kuna teacher, wild dolphin swimming guide, and she was almost a CIA agent. You want to talk about an interesting life, ladies and gentlemen. She's the author of, your, of, her, of her own book, which is called Find Your Friggin' Joy. Now, you got to love that title. In this book, she offers good health and holistic healing. So, Belinda, welcome to Life-Altering Events.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here.
1: Belinda, I I love, i read your book, and I love the title, Find Your Freaking Joy. And And in the book, you said, this book is not for the faint of heart. Explain, go into depth on what you mean about that.
2: Well, it's mostly about ancient Hawaiian healing, which is about taking 100% responsibility for everything that happens to you in your life. So if you're not willing to take responsibility, then this book isn't for you because once you take that responsibility, you have the power to change whatever it is that you created. And so some people are ready to blame others and... um, this book is not for
1: them. Now, going to this, what does it take? As you, as you were going through all your things, to, to dis- decide and to say, look, at I'm, what happened to me? Maybe they weren't what I would like for them to happen, but I'm responsible for how I reacted. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. I have gone through so many things. I mean, when I got my divorce at forty. I felt like my spirit had was leaving me if I didn't escape and try something different because my marriage was not putting me in the right place with my soul. And so I started to look for ways to move out of fear. And it's true, you're, I was just um, obeying other people, I was a good Catholic girl, you know, just doing what I was told. and. I did the same thing in my marriage, and it wasn't following my own uh, my own pathway. So when I got divorced, I started to find people that could take me away from fear or let me step into the fear, which is just an illusion. It's false evidence that appears real. That's what F E A R stands for. It's a false illusion. So I started to do firewalking with Tony Robbins. That's a good way to get out of some fear. <laughs>
1: You'll <laughs> <We> bet,
2: <laughs> so I did eighteen fire walks with Tony, but what it did was it opened up my my psyche to think, well, if I can walk successfully on two thousand degrees of hot coals, then what else can I do that I'm not doing? And I wanted to really drive a race car. I don't know where that came from because I couldn't even drive a stick shift, but I found a place. Tony teaches you that if you can't, you must. And if you must, you will. So when you say you can't do something, you must do it. And I just pushed myself to call a racetrack and find out where I could get some kind of lesson in Grand Prix road racing. And I did, and I had some talent. And then finally, at the end of the course, I was hired to drive for Buick and Cadillac in New York and a whole new career started. So I encourage people to really move through that darkness because you never know what door that's gonna open up, a whole new career, a whole new way of looking at something and fulfilling a life dream.
1: So That's a great story. Now, (laughs) Melinda, you you grew up at a time when uh, women were not an economic factor. And we have a lot of our listeners in this age group. And it was a time when you lived in your father's house and then you moved into your husband's house. All right, you got divorced at 40 after living, as you said, this, I, this life where I did everything everyone told me to do. So right. what was that like? Tell us about that struggle when everything that you believed in or were taught just got blown up.
2: Well, it's interesting. When, when you only know one thing, you don't know what you're missing. And I know that the nuns would call my mother and say, she's too joyful. She needs to (laughs) suffer more. Yeah, can you believe that? Wow. (laughs) I was too joyful. So suffering was a big thing in the Catholic Church. You had to learn how to suffer. And Mm -hmm. I just didn't buy into that. So eventually I was um, expelled from Catholic school in eighth grade. So, I guess that joyfulness just got me down and (laughs) (laughs) I had to go on my own. But it was, I never knew my father, my real father, but my grandfather was wonderful. And they, you know, they instilled, they'd gone through the Great Depression. And so, the thought form was that there was never enough. And there was always, you know, again, a lot of lack. And I guess I took that on thinking I couldn't support myself Mm -hmm. I had to have somebody else to support me. And you don't even know you're adopting those kinds of beliefs until your body starts to break down. And what started to break down when I was doing my stunt driving was my spine. And I had learned from all the training that I had in hypnosis and how the unconscious mind works that it's listening to every single thing you say. So if I'm saying to myself that I I have lack and that I need somebody else to support me, that I can't support myself, your spine is what suffers. That's where money issues come in. And at the base of the spine, eventually I just collapsed with nerve damage and herniated discs. And I was told that I was never going to walk again unless I had surgery. It was a very dark
1: time. Yeah, we can imagine it was. Now, Belinda, in reading the story, it, it seemed like your life uh, started up this wonderful, idyllic life. And then when it rained, it really poured. Mm-hmm. So in 2008, your son took his own life tragically. Yes. And in 2009, you lost your life savings in a Ponzi scheme. Yes. All right. What got yes. you through all this trauma?
2: Well, I had been studying HUNA, again, taking responsibility for everything and learning how to forgive myself. I had, I had a daughter and a grandson. I did not want to be a burden to them. I think that was what was behind everything in my life. Don't be a burden to anyone. Stand up for yourself. You know. And, I'm, and that's what I chose to do. I chose to continue to forgive myself and cut cords I sold everything that I could sell in order to get enough money to, to live for the next month. And my daughter took me in to her place. She didn't have a whole lot of room, but she didn't even flinch. You know, she says, Mom, you just come and be with us and take care of little Eddie. And my grandson, really the joy of a child, when you have to take care of a child, it changes you. It, it it has to change that sadness into joy. And that's what he did every day we played and every day I got stronger and stronger and I kept cutting cords, which is this forgiveness process. And within about seven months, a lot of that money that I lost was returned to me miraculously. Mm -hmm. And I was able to get my own place and then start um, doing sessions and healing sessions and, uh, the reconnective healing. It it was a minor miracle. But it again, when you when you cut cords, when you forgive yourself for the way that you're looking at something, that issue rises to a higher level and you're able to deal with those issues. And miracles take place in the present time, as long as you're not attached to the past or to the future.
1: Well, that's a critical point is is the letting go component and And getting the money back is just an amazing story, because I yeah. <laughs> knew so many people that were in Ponzi schemes I didn't get anything back. So congratulations to you. that that's very impressive how that occurred. And by letting go, Now you were a stunt car driver, and yeah. the, I read this, and this just intrigued me to no end. It said you, you mentioned a little <laughs> bit about how it happened, but how did it happen? how did How did you get into that? And in this adrenaline junkie story? Well, Tony
2: Robbins is, you know, he's a nuclear um, motivator and I just, he was the first big healing teacher that I ever had and I just kind of followed him like a guru for five years and I learned so much and again to face fear which again is false evidence that appears real or feeling ready and excited. And so when you do that, when you learn how to change what you think is fearful into something that motivates you, you, you take note. Um, if I can't, I must, I must, I will. And so I, again, I enrolled in a Grand Prix road racing course out in Sonoma. Didn't know how to drive a stick shift, but I was just ready, willing, and able to learn. And I found out that I had a little talent. I could really hit my mark and do things that I guess the director needed to be done. And so after the four days, they hired me to drive for Buick and Cadillac in New York. It was like two weeks of a vacation because it was easy driving and just exciting to be in beautiful places, you know, in upper state New York. I came back and they created a stunt course for me to learn how to do spins and slides and terrorist driving. And I just took to it like a duck to water. It was just (laughs) the most exciting time in my life. I was in my forties. I um, partnered up with one of the teachers at the the driving school and we joined a racing team in LA. And we started having jobs all over the world. It was amazing.
1: (laughs) That is incredible. Now, was this driving, like in the commercials where you see the Buick car driving along the ocean in California, or what? Or were you doing stunts in movies, or both?
2: Uh, both. Um, I did a lot of television commercials. I did a lot of um, driving in, like, Bangor, Maine, just all over the United States where there was beautiful scenery. So, a lot of car commercials where it says, don't do this at home. That would mm-hmm. be
1: that would be you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was just exciting and just exhilarating, and it's it's made me a good driver. I think everyone should go to a, a racing school and take a course. You know, they don't necessarily have to make it a career, but it's just really excellent training in defensive driving.
1: Now, you talked uh, in the book, you, you mentioned this agen- adrenaline junkie. Were you always an adrenaline junkie?
2: I, I guess I was. I, as a kid, I raced bicycles, and I would create um, little ramps where I would, you know, guide the bicycle up and then jump over another bicycle. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. Climb trees. Um, I was a little tomboyish. I just liked excitement. I'm a fire sign. I don't know what else to say. A triple fire sign, so I really like going fast. I'm, you know, I loved skiing, loved rollerblading, I've slowed down a little bit, but
1: (laughs) that tends to happen.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm in my seventies now, but I'm still playing tennis. I'm still playing singles and ping pong and lots of walks and maybe I don't run as fast, but I'm still, still very active.
1: That's excellent. That's outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) We <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> when I read it in the book, I was just sitting here laughing out loud. <laughs>
2: <laughs> laughing is just so so beneficial for your heart. So, I'm glad I made you laugh. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was outstanding. Now you've mentioned Tony Robbins a couple of times. Yeah. And I've heard about the Firewalk. How do you get keyed up to do this Firewalk? I mean, this is this is not a normal natural thing, right?
2: No. Um, he keys you up to get in touch with the fire that's inside of you. So through the breath, teaches you how to do the fire breath. Because all humans are are a combination of earth, air, fire, and water. That's that's who we are. So when you become one with the fire, and I learned this when I was studying Huna, the Hawaiian Huna, that you become one with the fire and so you can walk without any damage to you because you're part of that fire. Now about walking on water, I'm not so sure. (laughs) (laughs) I think you have the answer to that one.
1: Yeah, find the rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break here. We're going to come back with Belinda Farrell. We're going to get into some more of the, uh, the, the issues that she faced and how she completely transformed her life and reconnected. And these are really important points. So don't go away. We'll be right back. out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at Radio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life-Altering Events Radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzaccari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zaccari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We just had a tremendous first segment with Belinda Farrell. This is... This is an amazing woman. She her book is find your friggin' joy. And if you haven't read this book, go get it. What this is this is an incredible life. She is a Berkeley graduate. She's a mother. She played Snow White. Was a stunt car driver, which we just talked about at great depth. She was an actress, a writer. She's walked on hot coal with Tony Robbins. She's a Huna teacher, a dolphin swim guide, and and she was also almost a CIA agent. Okay, so let's start with that, uh, Belinda. How did you almost get in the CIA?
2: Well, isn't that weird? You know, I graduated from Berkeley, and then I was approached by some agents to be a covert spy in Madrid. So they started a security clearance that took about a year. I went about my life. I was working at ABC. I was working as a TV news reporter. Um, I got into that because there was a strike. And all this time, they were interviewing my kindergarten teachers, all the people <laughs> I knew in first grade.
1: <laughs> I mean, In the nuns.
2: <laughs> yes, the nuns. Oh, yeah, I would love to know what the nuns said about me. And then eventually, um, the, the clearance was over in my neck of the woods, and they had me go to Washington, D.C. and be there for a, a week uh, for further interrogation. And I wanted to travel. You know, I was 21 years old. I mean, what did I know? CIA was just going to be one step closer to traveling the world. And um, But I realized that I would have to give up a lot. I guess so. (laughs) To say the least, my freedom. And they should have started there instead of doing all of what they did back home they would have they would have found out early on that I was just not cut out for that kind of work but it all was not lost um, I stayed in Washington and I looked up on Capitol Hill and I met a senator and I interviewed with Senator Charles H Percy who was
1: mm-hmm.
2: former president of Bell and Howell and Wonderful man, and I got hired to be on his staff for a year, and that's where I met my only husband at the time. He was a a medical student and came into the office, and for some reason, he just transfixed on me, and he wouldn't leave until I would have coffee with him, and six months later, we were married.
1: Wow. (laughs) So the CIA led to your marriage?
2: Yes, I mean, that trajectory, if I hadn't gone to Washington, I wouldn't have met my husband or had the children that I had.
1: That's that's amazing. I was in the military, uh, Belinda, and I was a medic, and we had to get a top-secret security clearance. and. As I heard the stories years later, people would say that they're, they're, they're talking to your little league coach, they're talking to your first oh. grade teacher, they're, they're talking to the guy you delivered papers to at the corner. It was incredible <laughs> how much depth they go into.
2: Exactly. You feel like you've got this you know security clearance for life, but I think it only lasts so many years, and then you're yeah
1: free It does. It. It does. And I was thinking, you know, I'm not running for president or anything. You know, I'm
2: just, yeah, I'm
1: just a medic in the military.
2: <laughs> you could now. Yeah, my, my husband was a doctor. And um, yeah, so we, like a general medical officer in the Navy, mm-hmm. spent three years in Puerto Rico. And during that time, but no, I'm really glad I didn't go with the CIA. I probably wouldn't be alive today.
1: <laughs> it's a different life.
2: Totally different
1: life. Now, you mentioned this earlier, Blind. At 48 years old, you're stunt driving and you're doing all these wonderful things. You collapse with a herniated disc and and spinal nerve damage. Right. And you mentioned this earlier. The doctor said you're going to be permanently paralyzed unless you have surgery. All right. 99% of the world is going to have the surgery. You didn't. Why not? I
2: I had no insurance, I got Uh dropped. I mean, I I couldn't perform anymore. I was a model. I couldn't walk on the runways anymore. I couldn't drive a car anymore. I couldn't stand up, sit down. I, I was a mess. So I had no insurance. And so my only choice was do the things that you've been learning how to do to other people, the healing work, and see if it works. So it was like, physician, heal thyself. So I had no I had no choice but to go inward and to see if all of the stuff that I had been studying was really effective and it could heal me. And it did. And that's what I wrote about in the book. It was like a miracle, but I did it 20, 24-7. That's mm-hmm. all. But I talked to my body. I changed the way I was talking to myself. I would say thank you for regenerating. Thank you for... Holding me up. Thank you for being supportive. Oh, I just did everything to re, you know, reconfigure my thought forms and create a spine that was healthy and strong and supported me.
1: I love that term, the self-talk. Yes. And we've had um, so many people uh, on the show that have gone through so many, so many difficult things in their life, and once they They change the the song that they play in their mind to themselves. Things improve. That's what you teach. Is that right?
2: That's right. Tony called it transformational vocabulary. And that's exactly what you do. Instead of saying you're tired, you're just momentarily down. (laughs) And then you just start feeling better. Instead of being pissed off, you're just a little annoyed. And it changes the chemistry inside your body because you're a laboratory of chemicals inside your body based on the emotions that you set out. Like, again, if you, if you get really pissed, I mean, and the veins start bulging out from your face, I mean, you can damage your heart muscle because the unconscious mind releases a chemical that bruises your heart muscle. And the leading one of the leading causes of death is heart attacks. Yep. People are angry, and they turn it inwardly, and they don't realize the damage that they're doing to their heart, which is supposedly the center of love.
1: Now, earlier, Belinda, you mentioned laughter as uh, as being a, a great medicine. Right. And years ago, I I did turnarounds of failing companies, and you walk into toxic environments and a lot of hostility. And a counselor told me, Frank, before you go into—and there was there was no YouTube at that time—but before you go into one of these high-end meetings, read a story, um, read Rodney Dangerfield, look at <laughs> find jokes, something that's going to make you laugh before you walk into the meeting, and your demeanor will change dramatically. Is that right?
2: That's absolutely right. Just when you said Rodney Dangerfield, I, I remembered his eyes and that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's kind of got these bulging eyes, eyes that come out and it's really it's really funny, but he, I mean, he uses that for his his stick.
1: He does. And it it worked cuz I would go in to these high-stress meetings and I would have a smile and mm-hmm. Then it took a while to get pissed off again, but at least you you went in with the right attitude.
2: That's right. Oh, sure. That's perfect. Well, you notice comedians live longer lives than anybody.
1: They seem to, yes.
2: They they, they just do. They just find the joy or they find the joke in everything.
1: Now, you often speak, uh, Belinda, of, of the need for reconnection. You've mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, to take personal responsibility, to unplug from the old productive stories. Okay, elaborate on that for us.
2: Well, again, the the Hawaiians called connecting to the negative through Aka cords. They called them Aka cords. The Bible refers to it as the webs we weave around ourselves. But these cords, when you get emotionally attached or you talk to yourself in a negative way you're creating these strings or cords that wrap around your organs and when you cut the cords when you neutralize them you're you're starting over again and you're you're taking away the story the judgments the feelings that you have about those at a very low level and it's healthy to neutralize these cords and to move on to a higher place so that you can create something much more empowering for yourself at a higher, higher, higher level. So that's what I mean by cutting cords and changing the story. It's You say these uh, four terms to yourself, I'm sorry, I love you, I forgive you, thank you. And you don't even know why you're saying it. But you just say it. I mean, you're talking to yourself all the time. I used to have people bring um, a sheet of paper and put down, what do you say to yourself? And for the most part, most people loathe themselves. They think they've done terrible. They're punishing themselves. So you're saying something to yourself all during the day. Why not consciously say, I'm sorry. I love you. I forgive you. Thank you. You're saying that to your higher self. Why not? It makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how you change, you know, your, I guess, your agenda and move yourself up to a higher level.
1: And one of the things that you mentioned in the book about the ancient Hawaiians um, or the early, the native Hawaiians. Right. And it was something that, that I, I loved. That at the end of the day, they have this ritual they go through. Walk us through that.
2: Well, that's the cord cutting. They used to do it with family, and they would get in a circle at sunset and watch the sun go down, and as the sun would go down, they'd place all their anger and hurt and sadness and fear onto that sun and watch it disappear into the water and offer the forgiveness. I'm sorry. I love you. I forgive you. Thank you. (laughs) And breathe it away into a ha breath as it would disappear and dissipate into the water and all would begin again. And that was something that each family would do for anything that took place. I remember my teacher, um, Etua, had a horrible thing happen to the family. One of the brothers was found face down and his paycheck was gone and he had been murdered. Um his body was found in the water and the first thing that that family did was to come together and to do ho'oponopono which is to make right right so that they would not hold any resentment in their inside of them because the resentment just eats away at at yourself it's again when you get angry your your enemy doesn't feel that anger it's you so, you want to dissipate that. You want to just move it out of your body so that you don't suffer. And so that's what they did.
1: I love that story. Is at the uh, particularly the end of each day. Right. Now I, I know a number of people who say, "Well, you know, I, I, I have a moment where I, I forgive myself," but then they go back to the self loathing. But by doing it daily what the Native Hawaiians did. It's its like, okay, that day's over. Let it go. New day begins. Everything's a clean slate. Is that what, is that what you saw?
2: That's, that's right. And I do mine in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. Every, I take a ritual. I take a bath. And I put people down below me, especially myself, because you're the hardest on yourself. And so you put everything down there for the day. You can put governments, politics, Uh, doctors, lawyers, money, power figures, your parents, your exes, everything down below you, and then breathe on them. Offer the forgiveness and then take a cutting instrument and then spin it around you and then watch the people float away or feel them just floating away. And so you're moving to a higher level to deal with whatever issues you have between you.
1: I love that story. That That is tremendous. Now, I heard in an interview that you did, Belinda, that, that and we've mentioned this, many people harbor this deep sense of self-loathing, and you do a lot of counseling. So, when someone comes in, sense that, this loathing, self-loathing they have, how do you start the conversation?
2: Oh, well, I first have to know if they want to make a change, because a lot of people don't want to heal. They like to keep their stuff, you know? So, you have mm-hmm. to make sure somebody's on the right page because you don't want to waste their time or your time. So I just, you know, ask them how sincere they are changing the way that they're looking at themselves or they're looking at other people. And you usually get a pretty honest um, assessment of where they are. And most people do want to reach a higher level. They just haven't known how to do it. And this could be the right time. I'm, I'm a tour guide. So I guide them back to maybe that little person who made that choice, you know, that they are not worthy to receive love or not worthy to be successful. And they come back as the strong adult and they look at that little child and they go down and offer to take them in their arms and hold them and comfort them and share with them all of the learnings that they have learned from all these years and they hold them by the hand and they begin to come back with that child knowing everything that they know and knowing that they will always be comforting that child and it just really um is a powerful powerful process as they come in and then they see themselves out into the future and they're just happy. <laughs> they're they're really happy that they can really acom- accomplish um, what they couldn't do before.
1: It's uh, as I saw in your book. It's it's going back to a happy time. It's almost like hypnosis. I'm going to take you back to a happy time in your life, right. and we're going to dwell on what was happy and why you were happy. And then we'll, we'll permeate from there. Now, do you go to, to the level of, well, when did you stop being happy? Or do you just focus on the positive?
2: No, I ask them, you know, to give me a number. And some people, they just come up with a number. And what? it could be past lives. So these people, you know, I just take them back to whatever past life they created that decision to not be happy. I, I don't take them because a lot of people don't even know what happy is. So I just take them back to whatever child is waiting for them or whatever person is waiting for them, whatever village it is. It's past life regression. Mm -hmm. And and then they're able to, um, you know, to give that person what they couldn't receive at that time. It's it's very powerful if they will allow themselves to go back there.
1: That's amazing. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're up against another break. We've had two great segments. The third one is yet to come, and we're going to get even deeper with Belinda Farrell. Do not go away.
0: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at Radio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life-Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats, and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zaccari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We've had two wonderful segments with Belinda Farrell. This last segment we spent a great deal of time on reconnecting and transformation, going back and letting go of the anger or the depression or the fear or whatever, whatever is tying you down. And in an ancient Hawaiian method of at the end of the day at sunset, sitting at the sun and then letting all these bad feelings out on a daily basis, not every once in a while, daily. So you start the new day with a clean slate. It's a beautiful story. Now, Belinda, you talked a great deal about the struggle between the conscious conscious, and the unconscious mind. Okay? Give us some examples about the struggle people have between the two. Well, your
2: conscious mind is your free will. So no one can interfere with your free will. You want to be buddies with your conscious mind and the unconscious mind, which is running your body. You should love your unconscious mind because it loves you unconditionally. It's running your body despite whatever you're saying to yourself, even if you don't like yourself. It's using that blueprint to run your body now. But it would be so much easier and more effective if you can move some of this dark cloud away from your organs so that it can run it more effectively. They need to work as a team. Like I could say, I do my cord cutting at night and I've gotten I've gotten permission from my conscious mind to remind me, all right, let's do our cord cutting in the bathtub. That's my free will saying and saying that, and my unconscious mind is doing exactly what my conscious mind says. They work as a team. Once you can clear all that negative stuff away from the unconscious, then the unconscious can get excited about what it is that it wants to create and send that up a pipeline to your higher self. That is what healed me, was getting all the negative, and I had terrible thought processes in my back that I didn't know I had until I was laid up and couldn't walk anymore and left alone to be with my breath and the quiet of just convalescing. And so things came up for me from my birth, and I had not a clue that that was there. And this is talked about in my book, mm-hmm. it was of a little child, a little fetus that was absolutely thrown out into the cosmos, like a piece of garbage. And that's how she felt. She was dodging all of these asteroids and um, craters, and she just she was just a tiny baby. She didn't know where she was going to end up. And then these these divine hands come down and lift that fetus up and place her in the arms of this um, divine being. I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. It was definitely something safe. And then she could look down below and see all the chaos below. And I woke up from that and feeling very loved, feeling safe, feeling protected. And had a feeling also of wanting to know more about my birth, which my mother would never talk to me about. Mm-hmm. And I finally got her to admit that she had taken me to three abortion clinics
1: Ooh.
2: with my father at that time. And they refused to do the abortions or I just um, guess was strong enough to withhold myself and hold my- <laughs> get through that. And as soon as I realized that, it just it was like a load off. It was just an incredible load off. Because I realized that my spiritual family loved me more than my earthly family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And
2: that's all I needed to to hear or to feel. That I didn't have to um, prove that I was worthy to be loved. That I was loved, period. And. Mm-hmm. The healing really took place in a huge, very speedy way because the unconscious mind knew that I wanted to be able to climb trees again, and you have to have a strong back to climb trees. Mm -hmm. So it just sent that excitement of climbing trees all the way up to my higher self, which brought it down inside of me, and I healed within three days.
1: That's incredible. That's amazing.
2: It's like trapped emotions. You have trapped emotions, and those emotions have to be released. And when you breathe, that deep ha breathing, it sends, it, it allows the unconscious mind to release them and say, okay, handle this. Put a period on this one so I can get on with running your body in an effective way.
1: Mm hmm. Now, Belinda, you it, it wrote in the book that you were, you were terrified of water. You had this yeah. massive water phobia. Right. Yeah, you went to a training program in Hawaii that involved water. Tell <laughs> us that story and how that evolved.
2: I wasn't really thinking clearly, was I? <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> I, I, wanted, I wanted to go to this mastery course in hypnosis And yes, we're surrounded by water and I would just look at it and hope that I would never get to go into it, but then as we're doing a higher self connection and we're doing a lot of deep, ha, breathing, I'm getting this feeling of dolphins and whales just coming into my psyche, into my mindset, and I was astonished because I'd never thought of any kind of ocean creature in my life, but that night there was dolphins teaching me how to swim and I woke up the next morning and I had this absolute urgency to want to be with them but I thought how can I be with them I have to be in the water I can't do that I can't do that and I eventually got somebody um, a friend of mine to take me out into the ocean I put scratches in his arm that Probably to this day he still has because I was so afraid of the, of the waves and going in. But we went through and a huge bottlenose dolphin came and just stared at me, feeling like I was being downloaded information from multiple centuries and centuries of unconditional love. I completely forgot about the ocean and I forgot about my fear and all I wanted to do was learn how to be with these these creatures. They taught me how to dive they taught me how to swim and I'd been doing um, dolphin retreats for 25 years. It's the first year I haven't done it.
1: Mm-hmm. So you go from this this intense fear to teaching people how to swim with dolphins. What's that experience like?
2: <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I mean, it's like again, you have to cut through the fear. you you have to. I remember the first time I swam out by myself in this kind of murky water, and you know there there were sharks. And I just knew that I had to give protection from my angels or whatever, but I had to do it. I had to show myself that I was going to be okay. And I swam out probably a half a mile. I said, is this far enough? Can I turn around and go back? (laughs) And so I did get an affirmative. And it was, again, you know, something you have to push through the fear because it, it isn't really there. It's an illusion that you've created with your mind. Like you are an art director, you are the movie director, and you're making a movie. And you just made a scary movie, and then you change it, and you make a comedy,
1: that's a great analogy. It's a great analogy. Now, Blinda, I've had a number of guests, and they speak about the connection between the mind, the body, the energy, or the spirit. And you made a statement that I heard you say, and and I love this statement. I want you to explain it. You said energy is like money. What's oh, that means? Well, you're only
2: given about hundred bucks a day of energy. And depending on where you use it, you either save it in your savings account or you deplete it. So let's just say you get out of bed, you get in your car, and you let this guy who cuts across your car, you let it get to you, and you start getting really angry. Mm-hmm. You spent about 80 bucks of that $100 already before you've gotten to, you've gone to work. And then you go to work and your boss says something derogatory and you spent the other $20 and now you're in deficit and you're exhausted. So by the time you get home, all you want to do is curl up in bed and throw the blankets over your head and you've wasted your money. You need that money, your energy, to help you you when you have some healing that you have to do. I mean, when I was trying to heal my back... I counted on all the energy that I had in my savings account to do the healing that I needed to do so that I could walk again. So the transformational vocabulary, everything just to keep your life force up, just to keep yourself, you know, in a in a good place. You'll use that when you really need it for something beneficial. I mean, you have let's imagine When you go into a meditation, you're creating Valium, which is a drug that you buy from your Mm -hmm. drug dealer, whatever you call them,
0: or the
1: pharmacist.
2: Pharmacist, there you go.
1: (laughs) The legal process.
2: (laughs) The drug dealer, anyway. And then you have something else. When you're in great joy, guess what you make? You make a drug called interleukin two, and it costs about twenty thousand dollars for cancer treatment when you have to buy it from the pharmacist. Mm-hmm. But you can make millions of dollars of interleukin-2 when you're just really joyful. I mean, really joyful. So let's say you go to Disneyland, you ride the, you know, the roller coasters, you see a cartoon character for the first time in your life, and you just, yo! <laughs> you're just excited. You're making interleukin-2, and you're creating absolute wonderful stuff inside your body that counteracts any kind of fear that you might have.
1: I love that statement because we've all been through this, ladies and gentlemen, where you, you find something that gives you just complete and total unbridled joy right. and everything else goes away. Your headache, the pain in your shoulder, the, 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 the knot in the pit of your stomach <laughs> all just seem to go away for that moment. Now we got to capture that on an ongoing basis, and that's what you do. Teach is that right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I can go into a you know a deep depression too, but then I don't stay there very long. So you know, again, you have to decide. You know, you're going to have grief. You're going to have sadness. You're going to have joy. You're going to have. You're human. You have all these emotions. You want to be authentic with those emotions. You want to feel them. But then you want to put some closure on it so they don't eat at you. You just want to stay in the present time. And the way you stay in the present time is by cleaning those cords, those cobwebs on a daily basis. And it doesn't take long. You brush your teeth every day. You should just go inside and cut the cords every day. I have it on a, on a CD called Chant and Forgiveness, which takes you through the, the cord cutting process. But it doesn't take long. You can do it in your car just by saying, I'm sorry. I love you. I forgive you. Thank you.
1: Now, Belinda, we're just about out of time. This has been a fabulous conversation. Now, after all you've been through and all you've accomplished, what last thought do you want to leave with the listeners?
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I don't have all the answers. Everything, Everything I think that is good goes to the light. Just make somebody happy. Make yourself happy. Make somebody else happy. Take take the pressure off of yourself from the world and just put a smile on somebody's face. It'll make you feel so much better.
1: I love that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned, we are just about out of time. I want to thank Belinda. Again, Belinda, thank you so much for sharing this inspiring life-altering event stories, multiples you had. And ladies and gentlemen, remember these three things. When life... Throws obstacles in your way. Do these three things look up, get up, never ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward, and better times and better people will come into your life. If you've missed any of this show or any of our other shows, you can pick them up on demand on any number of places, including iHeart, Google, and Alexa. If you'd like more information on Belinda, you can get it from her site or contact me, and I'll make sure I get it to her. Now, let me leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen. None of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And Belinda has shown us where many of those rocks are today. Join me again next week and we discuss another life-altering event. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Count.